everyone, and welcome to another IMCO. My name is Jonathan Chan, and I'm so glad that you can join me today as we embark on another news story that topped the news in general last week. So what topped the news this past week? Well, it's GameStop. Uh, not in particular the, uh, the business itself, no, it's, we're not, um, the news wasn't really focused on uh, the business aspect of GameStop. Uh, well, GameStop was, was, uh, was, like, was a little bit uh, about it, uh, about its profitability and how it suffered through COVID. But GameStop was suffering anyway prior to COVID because of online gaming and just the whole evolution of the market in games. Uh, if you're like me, I play most of my games on my phone now, and uh, whether they're paid uh, on a premium or on a pay-as-you-go with subscriptions, and you know you gotta buy stuff, etc. I'm you're familiar with that. But I, the news was more focused on what happened with its stock, with its stock price. Now, uh, I'm not gonna delve into it um, pretty, uh, for this Imco reasons because a lot of uh, a lot of news outlets have already done that, and they've already elaborated on that. Heck, you could even Google The Economist's uh, take on GameStop, and they did a great job in uh, providing a layman like yourself and myself just bring us up to speed on what the heck happened. I also included uh, a podcast link uh, from News 1130 uh, in the description below where you can actually uh, uh, click on it and listen to an interview of Mike Apple. Now, for those of you who are like me, who listen to News 1130 uh, like during driving or even at home while we're working or in the office, you know that Mike Apple is a senior business editor for 680 and News 1130 and other news outlets. He's the, the go-to guy for, um, I guess, uh, uh, for just news on business for the layman. So... Uh, I'm not going to go into that other than that uh, there were a few hedge fund uh, managers and hedge fund companies who uh, shorted GameStop, which is typical. It's it's just like the usual logic. When the stock is going down, you would use an instrument called, some would use an instrument called shorting a stock to, to uh, invest money in it, to make money out of it. But then there was this group of uh, just a bunch of, uh, we call them just just they call them um, retail investors, uh, just small time investors who gathered together and, uh, you know, had some emotional investment in GameStop because they're, they too were gamers and they just boosted the stock price right up to almost 600 um, percent. There was one time uh, that it reached up to 600 percent of its value. So from five dollars all the way to three hundred dollars. What the heck happened? Right. And. Then, when because the price went up, and because in uh, the hedge fund managers uh, shorted the stock, they had to borrow the stock. So they borrowed it, they sold it at $5. And then when it, the price went up, when it's time to call in, uh, and call in, the hedge fund managers had to find stock in order to pay whoever they borrowed back. And they were paying through the nose in order to pay back uh, the people that they borrowed from. And so uh, that was almost like a royal spanking on the hedge fund manager. So a lot of articles, a plethora of articles came out 
um, about this. Uh, and then I included another one article uh, out of many. It's, a, it's just one of the examples of an article about, hey, this is great. This is David versus Goliath and David winning against the the man, the the people in the Wall Street. You know, the, uh, the Wall Street always think that they have the power and they have everything to they have all the power to determine the markets. Well, now this is the power to the people. And uh, some would go on to say the democratization of the markets. So there were those articles. And there were also articles about uh, how the government should clamp down and regulate uh, these types of activities. And, and uh, or also even questioning whether this is borderline insider trading, which I don't think it is, but uh, they proposed that too. And then, of course, there were articles about uh, at the White House that uh, it just perked their interest to address this. Even in Canada, um, I tried to purchase uh, some stock through Wealth Simple, and I was blocked, just like Robinhood blocking uh, the uh, the buyers uh, of that, just because I was curious whether it happened in Canada to like can Canadians uh, buy still buy stock uh, like that? But they can't because it was officially blocked. So is that fair? And so there was all this going back and forth, back and forth. CNN actually interviewed uh, the founder of Robinhood, and that was an interesting interview. You could Google that, uh, look it up in YouTube, and uh, that was an interview, interesting take on what, how he justified why he blocked people from buying GameStop. Now, today, let's see, what day is it today? February the 4th, am I right? Yeah, February the 3rd. Today's February 3rd. And uh, GameStop is now just sliding, of course, going back to its uh, normalization. You could say uh, in stock market language, correction, uh, because really it's not a, it's not a good stock. Uh, the financial scenario does not support its uh, uh, stock price. And so it's too inflated. So, however, this brings a lot of conversations about the legitimacy of the mob. Um, I think that this gives well, on a whole different discussion, this gives a good conversation and a discussion on the power of the internet and how times have changed. Uh, we noticed that in the recent elections down in the States where social media played a huge role in terms of the whole back and forth and the divisions that's caused uh, with regards to all sorts of things that are politic, uh, including uh, uh, racial politics and, and racism and uh, social justice, social media, the whole internet of things have become very significant in that uh, arena. But now with GameStop, social media has, uh, is now again playing a significant role in this arena. We thought this was an untouchable arena for social media, but now it's quite significant. And so that's a whole nother discussion. And uh, we'll be discussing that actually in our TCC lunch exchange the following month, not this month, but next month. This month, we're actually talking about censorship, and I invite you to join. If you want to join a, a, our TCC and Lunch Exchange for this discussion, uh, please uh, send me an email through our website, and uh, I'll, I'll post a website uh, uh, near the end of our IMCO. But we'll be talking about the whole idea of the power of social media and democratization uh, in March, not in February. February, we're talking about censorship. We're still catching up on all the topics because um, TCC lunch exchanges happen each month. And so we usually talk about what happened the prior month. And so the prior month, well, the biggest issue was censorship. So uh, we'll be chatting about that. All right. 
So when I heard about GameStop and I heard about the news of GameStop, <laughs> uh, a few things that came to my mind, and uh, one of them was these two movies. Uh, some of you are familiar with uh, this movie called The Big Short. It, uh, it made a lot of ripples uh, throughout the media, uh, and it was talking about basically these uh, handful of investors who shorted the housing market uh, in 2008 and 2009. And uh, they made a lot of money out of it by shorting it. And the whole idea of this uh, movie was the ethics behind it or the morality behind shorting something, uh, making money out of other people's misery. And <laughs> that's what we'll be chatting about later on. The next one, um, a movie that came up to my mind was actually an oldie. And this one is called Trading Places, where uh, basically the whole idea was that these two guys uh, short shorted the market to give their uh, former bosses a spanking because uh, the, for, their former bosses used them as guinea pigs for an, a social experiment. Now, uh, some of you who are old enough, like myself, um, you would know you are familiar with this movie, and this is basically satire. But um, it's a it's a good. It was my first exposure actually to what it means to short a stock. But anyways, let's get back to GameStop. Now. When I, when I heard about this news, well, what really, uh, so I usually, whenever I hear about news, I knew that, I know that I have to do an IMCO with you to provide my own Christian opinion on the topic. So what do I do? I would like immediately go through all the uh, uh, news articles I could get my hands on, especially The Economist, The, the New York Times, uh, CNN, and uh, News 1130, CTV News, and also CBC. And just to wrap my, around, my head around all the different perspectives and opinions on that topic that topped the news. Then, uh, because I want to provide you, the listener and the viewer, a Christian opinion, my Christian opinion, I need to find a way to, like Karl Barth says, I have one newspaper, the newspaper on my hand on one hand and scripture on the other. So I need to take a look at what has already been talked about in the Christian circles. Uh, what does uh, Tim, uh, Tim Keller's uh, theology of work say? Uh, what does John Piper say? Uh, what does the most prominent people, mainstream, modern, postmodern, or whatever you want to call it, theologians, uh, what have they written or said about this topic or about investing in general? Because uh, that's the age-old question, right, uh, about investing. Is investing gambling? And so uh, I was wondering, is that question going to be brought up again with regards to GameStop? And lo and behold, yep. Uh, all the Christians articles that I've read so far, and thus far, and that were, there were quite a few this past week, they all talked about the comparison, making the comparison between investing and gambling and I concluded and I will provide you with my conclusion that that's a wrong comparison it's um, unfortunately that shouldn't even be compared uh, investing and gambling are completely two different things and in fact investing and gambling the only thing that it has in common is that they are a means to do something a means to achieve something and which means that they're tools to do something, to be used for something. And so 
after reading all these articles, after trying to navigate through the uh, Christian articles and also the mainstream news articles, this is what I have come up with uh, and some takeaways for you. And uh, so here are my takeaways. If we look at this and uh, takeaways, uh, the first three are what I will say is a summary of what I've read. So uh, more so in the Christian articles. So number one, um, the notable words that I found that uh, were used in these Christian articles related to investing was partnership, uh, sharing, and building. Now, what do, they, what do they mean by that? Well, back then, long time ago, uh, investing was really about um, partnering with someone to build something and to share in its fruits. So this could be fruits of, uh, so back then, before even the uh, money set currency, it could be just like you're helping this person in farming and uh, you provide some labor, you invest in some labor, they invest in some labor into this field and you share the crop, you share the fruits of your labor. So investing is similar to that where uh, you invest money now instead of labor and you invest in a company to share, i.e. shareholders, to share in the prosperity of that company or to share not just the prosperity, the ups and downs, the whole entire journey of the company. Um, this is your typical Warren Buffett type of mentality where uh, you go long with the company that you are investing in. So th they talked about that. And they talked about edification and building. So edification slash building are kind of synonymous words in these articles. So they would say that uh, you are partnering, you're investing to for the sake of building up uh, the, the business community, building up small businesses. Uh, uh, like you would be investing in these things, investing in small business. So case in point, there are some social, uh, social programs where you can invest in businesses in the other side of the world, in third world countries where uh, people just started out and need venture capital. So you're putting some money to help them to start up and share in their prosperity and share in their journeys, whether it be prosperous, whether it be slumps, uh, ebbs and flows, you're in it for the long haul for them. So those were some of the notable words I've noticed uh, in my readings when I read through all the articles. Case in point, I just uh, mentioned Theology of Work. That's their website down there. Very helpful website, by the way, to provide you with a per biblical perspective. A biblical perspective, not just, not just the per biblical perspective. I must warn you, uh, we are... Uh, no, wait, I rephrase that. I encourage you, actually, to remind yourselves that this... like. There, there's not just one perspective out there. There are many, and we should conclude, make our own conclusion by trying to uh, read and educate ourselves in all perspectives. But anyways, I digress. So that's one, and that's the website to help you out. Uh, number two, the fourth word that is used often in these art Christian articles is the word saving. And they provide a reason for saving, the purpose of saving, the purpose of saving money and using the financial instruments to do so. And they would coin the phrases, love your neighbor, sharing in God's redemptive work and maximize generosity. Now, let's work backwards because that's easier. Maximize generosity. Well, it's quite obvious. Um, basically, 
the more we uh, receive, the more we uh, um, are blessed with in terms of provisions, we as Christians are called to be generous and to give to various charities and uh, who, um, who we feel uh, can part that we can partner with, can invest in to further God's kingdom. So my wife and I, for example, we set a budget uh, of our income, of our gross income, and say whatever we make in this year, this gross income or per month, uh, and sometimes per week uh, for the church, it's uh, this is the amount that we will give to all sorts of things. So we'll set amount for tithing, that's done, but we'll also set amount, uh, set a percent amount on top of the tithing, a set amount for um, offering, which we define as a family. Offering is on top of tithing. So we would give X amount of percent each year to uh, to causes and organizations that we believe in. So uh, we've been huge supporters of uh, the BC Children's Hospital, Hospital, the uh, uh, the Vancouver Connects Autism uh, Society. The uh, we supported a child in uh, with a with what's the organization called Compassions Canada with Compassions Compassions Canada I believe it's called. And uh, it's not it's not World Vision. It's Compassions Canada, and uh, we also support uh, various uh, nonprofits such as the Burnaby Neighborhood House, uh, because we believe in their work. We also support uh, various uh, nonprofits of that create food sustainability, like the Food Bank. So you could realize you realize that you know uh, what they're saying in these Christian articles is that the more you make, the more you save, it gives you the opportunity to be generous to bless other people, to uh, further God's redemptive work in this world because God uh, inaugurated this redemption plan through Jesus. So now it's a more about having this uh, the ability to uh, maximize our generosity. And that's the purpose of saving. Now, what the heck is loving your neighbor? Now, loving your neighbor is kind of connected to this whole idea of maximizing generosity. But I've... Um, my, my wife and I actually uh, grew attached to a couple articles uh, quite a while back about saving. And uh, you could agree, you can agree or disagree with me, but that's okay. You're allowed to disagree with me. Uh, it's all about not creating a burden to society. Uh, it's, it's more about not spending your money for, uh, just without responsibility, frivolously, just to go at it, go crazy with our money. Uh, saving actually um, enables us to not be a burden on others, on our neighbors, on our, in our society, not to be a burden on our governments. Uh, the government really depends on us to be fiscally uh, responsible. And if we are irresponsible, and let's say we only live paycheck by paycheck, and we just blow everything away with luxuries and things that we do not need, then we're creating our poverty, our our intentional impoverishment uh, actually causes burdens and grief for the neighbors. And if we as Christians want to bless uh, people and be a blessing and to be a light to the nations, I think one of the great ways of not doing, of being that light is to not be a fiscal burden on others. Now you can agree or disagree with me, but um, my wife and I, we, we align ourselves on that uh, motif, uh, on that uh, trajectory. 
is the idea of not burdening our society, burdening our governments, burdening the social institutions that's supposed to protect and help those who are really truly in need, who never had the opportunity or privilege to start well at the same starting line as we do. And that's what we believe in. Um, but for those of us who have that benefit, who had the, uh, to, who had the, the benefit of starting well and had, who had families and generations of families that made the right decisions and were at the right time at the right place, I think it's fair to say that we shouldn't squander God's blessings and, uh, and then become a burden uh, for our crazy um, purposeful impoverishments. So that's, a, that's what I, how I interpret love your neighbor. Okay, number three. Uh, another thing I've read in the articles is uh, John Piper actually mentioned this one. Our investing is guided by not doing evil. Now, whatever evil means, he didn't say. Uh, and I think uh, I appreciate why, why he said that because each of us probably have a moral compass that differs from the other guy or from the other person. And, but what he's saying in general is that we shouldn't invest in things that we knowingly uh, and knowingly believe that, they, that they're doing evil. So for example, here's one that I think we could all agree on is we should not invest in cigarette companies, right? Um, because cigarettes is just, for me, it's just plain evil. I don't like the smell. I hate the smell. It makes me nauseous. And also it creates cancer and it kills. And there's enough studies for the past 60 years that this cigarette kills people. And so, uh, of course, you do not invest in cigarette companies. Everything, and then of course, our moral, but, that, but then after that, everything becomes more like, what is your moral compass? Your moral compass is probably different from mine. And if, this, if you knowingly go against your moral compass, your convictions, well, you're no better than the person who doesn't have a similar moral compass in you, but follows their moral compass. Agree? And so uh, what John Piper, I agree with, is not to elaborate on evil, but he says, if you knowingly invest in something that you knowingly and believe that's evil, well, that contradicts your belief system and you shouldn't do it. So, however, uh, sometimes it's impossible to know uh, what those companies are doing because of the fact that of just basically the, the DNA of mutual funds. You and I, some of you may be investing your money in mutual funds. You have no idea of uh, all the companies that, that you put your little bits and pieces of money into, right? You have no idea. You never get, you, we do not get their company synopsis report each year. Uh, from a mutual, because we're just mutual fund holders. But a uh, but if we do, if we can, if we are made aware, so basically, if we're not ignorant of those companies and we understand what they're doing, and then we realize they're doing something wrong, we should not invest in those companies. That's basically what John Piper is saying in point number three. Now, uh, I might want to add, uh, his website is called DesiringGod.org. I found his uh, um, article interesting. Um, most of you who know me, I not necessarily align myself with everything that he says, but of course I value his opinion as well as I do with every other theologian's opinions. So this is what he says. Investing should be guided by not doing evil. So not doing evil, whatever that means is up to you and up to me. 
Each of us have our different moral compasses, and uh, but what's important, he says, is to remain, to have integrity with our moral compass, to not be hypocrites. If we knowingly uh, believe and are convinced that this is evil, why should we invest in it? We shouldn't. All right, so some, a lot of you now are wondering, okay, John, what's your conclusion? Right, after all these articles, you just laid out all the, the summary of all the things that you've read, what's your conclusion? Well, let me get, get back to the point about, first about investing and gambling. There are two different things, but, but also they have one similarity and that they are tools. Investing is a tool, just like gambling is a tool. A knife is a tool. Uh, and so let me use a knife as an example sometimes I mentioned a knife. A knife can cut bread and do good, right? Could be used as a tool to make meals for the poor, um, make meals uh, for your family, could cut a nice steak. It, it, it could do good. It could do a lot of good. But also a knife can be used with the wrong intentions. For example, murder. Uh, you could use it to harm people. You could use it to hurt people. You could use it to exploit people, threaten people, do evil, as John MacArthur would say. That's my uh, uh, take on investing and gambling. Let's go with gambling. A lot of us are accustomed to only one particular um, opinion on gambling, uh, us meaning Christians. Basically, old school thinking is that gambling is evil. Is wrong. There's nothing good out of gambling. Well, I don't really necessarily take that stance because I find that gambling uh, is just a mere tool for um, entertainment, uh, for entertainment, for gathering together as friends to just have a nice beer, to have conversations and play some poker, that type of thing. Uh, I myself, whenever I go to Las Vegas, um, I would set myself a budget and uh, say, okay, this is my playing money here, John. Remind myself of that. And then just uh, hit the blackjack tables or hit the slots because, hey, they're just for the fun of it and it's entertainment and I'm in Vegas, so what do you do there, right? Also on cruise ships as well. So my wife and I, we see gambling as just a mere tool for entertainment. But then, of course, the old saying goes in the BC lottery industry says, you what is it? You know your limit and you play within it, right? Uh, when, gambling, when gambling becomes bad is when it's, it's just like a knife. If you use it to harm people or to exploit ignorance or to just uh, use it for the purpose of to fulfill your greed, selfishness, or addiction. And that's when it's evil. Uh, that's what my opinion is. And, and gambling can be used as a tool for that. Case in point, this goes with any type of drug, uh, alcohol, marijuana. It could be even uh, uh, just YouTube videos, watching YouTube videos. Once it becomes, it's a tool for entertainment, but then once it becomes an addiction and it exploits you and it, and it takes over your life, then it becomes evil, right? So gambling for me is, uh, though it has a lot of negative connotations, which is rightfully so, uh, there's been a lot of negative connotation and, you know, and it doesn't come out that healthy or well. And, you know, and what surrounds it is all the other things that go along with it. But gambling in itself is just a mere tool to, for entertainment and for just recreation, for me anyway. 
And that same goes with investment. See, many, a lot of, many of the articles, uh, one, a lot of them, said short selling is actually evil. No, I don't think so. Short selling is not evil. Why do I say that? It's because short selling is just a mere financial instrument to invest your money on the ebbs and flows, the normal natural ebbs and flows of the market. Uh, if you're a business person like I am, and if you are an investor like I am, you know full well that markets go like this all the time. It's cyclical, right? Um, it's cyclical. It goes with the flows, ebbs and flows of uh, political news, of whatever is happening in the monetary side of the government or fiscal and monetary side of the government. It just, it's just this natural cycle of uh, ebbs and flows of the business cycle. And uh, instruments, financial instruments like short selling, uh, like calls and puts and various derivatives, basically they are just taking advantage of this uh, um, cycle so that when we invest in money, you could uh, figure out ways to earn money out of this cyclical cycle. For those of you who think EFTs are holy and just and righteous, no, <laughs> they are also instruments of, to, that, are, that go with the ebbs and flows of the market, all right? And uh, so, you know, uh, for me, just like gambling, investment is just a mere tool. It could be used for good, just like uh, the three things that we, the notable words that we said at the, at the top. It can be used for good. It could uh, increase uh, uh, your savings so that you can maximize generosity to give to others, which, uh, mind you, I, I know a lot of friends who donate out of their um, the, the capital that they've earned in and in investing in their um, in the stock market, they actually donate a lot of that, and a lot of nonprofit organizations also allow uh, people to donate shares. So, is investing gambling? No, if it's on the with the right intent. And no, we should not use the word gambling in this. It's an instrument. It's a tool. All financial instrument instruments are tools to promote the growth of income to promote the growth of your savings. Now, just like any tool, like a knife, and just like what we talked about in gambling, if it's used in the wrong intent, if there was wrong motives, then of course. Uh, if it's uh, like what John MacArthur says, if it's doing evil, then of course it's not good. The the, uh, these instruments are now being used in the wrong way. And so, uh, like all tools, it, both gambling and uh, financial instruments can be used for good, but also can be used for the, in the wrong way. And back to the point about doing evil, it's up to each of us to take a look at our moral compass and say, okay, if we feel horrible about it, or if, if we knowingly believe that it is evil, then we don't do it. Then we don't go into that intent. Uh, I'm not here to judge you and you're not here to judge me on why I invest in the market. I think it's wrong to uh, jump into the conclusion that when people invest in the markets or invest in houses or invest in uh, uh, buying condos, that they're, they're there for greed. I think that's wrong. I believe that's wrong. I, actually, I believe that's completely wrong because you have no clue what their intent is. So uh, I think the only conclusion I have for us today, in my crucial opinion, is to not to place judgment on people when they, when they're uh, in the in the line of investing, when they short 
when they use other financial instruments, derivatives, we cannot place judgment on them saying that they're doing evil because we don't know their intent. The only person who knows their intent is God. And God has the right to judge, not us. What we can do is actually judge ourselves and evaluate ourselves and take a look at what our intent is. Because financial instruments, gambling, they're just all tools out there given to us to use. Whether we use it with the right intent or not is up to us, between us and God. That's it from me. Uh, and that's another Inco, and I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you want to know more about what I do for Company and Disciples, uh, please visit my website at www.companyofdisciples.com. As you, some of you know, I'm also a pastor at Crucible Church. So if you are still looking for a church or you're looking or just jumping around and just trying to find something that um, you could relate with, uh, a church to relate with, visit Crucible Church. We have uh, weekly uh, Sunday services over on Zoom live. Our worship leader leads live. So, right, worship leader. This sounds weird now. Our worship leader leads our singing portions live on Zoom. And um, sermons are pre-recorded, but then we don't talk about the, we don't, I don't preach on the, on Sunday. What I do is that uh, I open a, a discussion forum so that people on Sunday will, will have the chance to ask me questions about the sermon that, that past week. And also just to provide some reflections on what, how the sermon spoke to them. So if you want to join a, a Crucible Church or a worship service, email or visit the website, email at community at cruciblechurch.com or visit our website at cruciblechurch.com and just send a form in and uh, somebody will send you the Zoom coordinates. Till next time, till next week, I hope you enjoyed this uh, uh, IMCO. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or opinions, or disagreements, please feel free to just shoot me an email through my website or even uh, just put your comments on the Facebook post right below. Uh, I welcome them and I acknowledge them. Uh, you don't necessarily, you don't need to agree with me on anything and we don't have to agree with each other for Pete's sake. But I would love your opinions and uh, because that's how I learn too, is from other people like yourself. So. Till next time, have a blessed week.